May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I know that there are a lot of Bible characters who were asked to do some tough stuff, but Hosea, in our first reading today, God told him to go and marry a prostitute, to love her, to cherish her, to to treat her as his precious bride, and he did. God was trying to show the Israelites what their unfaithfulness to him looked like. And it wasn't long before his precious bride was cheating on him again and again and again. In fact, she sold herself out to someone else in her unfaithfulness. So God told Hosea, go back to her. Woo her. Cherish her. Love her. Buy her back from her unfaithfulness, so that you can have her as your precious, cherished bride. Could you have done that? And then there's the Corinthians. In the letter that we know as 1 Corinthians, Paul had written to that church in Corinth telling them to excommunicate that man who was sleeping with his father's wife. That's bad. He said, get get rid of him. He should not be a part of you. That's just, just enough. And they did. But then in 2 Corinthians that we had as our second lesson this morning, Paul tells that same group at Corinth now, take him back. Forgive him. Love him, welcome him as a part of your family. Act like it never happened. (laughs) Really, God? Wait a second. Don't you remember what he did, God? We don't want people like that here, do we, God? And now in our gospel, and this shouldn't be a surprise if you've been paying attention, whatever times you've been here, you notice that as the church year goes, all the readings on a specific Sunday kind of all have the same theme. So of course the gospel is going to have the same theme. And we have Jesus with his hard truth for us. His hard word for us today is love the lost. Love that serving, sacrificing, putting them first. The lost, the ones who have messed up. The ones who don't deserve it. The ones who have caused all sorts of trouble. Jesus tells us, love them. That's his hard word. Love the lost. Do you? I've had a lot of communication lately with this couple that we have been helping from our food pantry, bringing them food and, and water, and from our benevolence fund, uh, some toiletries and, and even some gas for their generator because their power and water have both been shut off a long time ago because paying for those, and I don't even think they're paying for where they're staying. It certainly isn't being taken care of. I think they're just kind of squatting there, but we've been helping them because they're hungry. They need the, the help. And here lately, she, she told me how much she appreciates the love that we are showing 
our benevolent efforts like that. So no one else shows that kind of love. And she said she knows she needs to make some changes. She wants to get into a relationship with God. And I said, that is awesome. You should come. Come and grow in God's word with us. We would love to have you. And she said, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want me there. I, you know, no water. That means no showers, no washing clothes. She said, I, I smell. No one would want me there. And I said, we would. Absolutely, we'd want you there. But would we? Would you? Do you want to pick them up? Even if they've got a criminal record, a long one? It's really easy to say, yes, we love the lost, we want to reach out, we want to help. But sometimes it's a little harder when the, the rubber meets the road. Sometimes it's just easier to focus on those that just aren't going to cause so much trouble as if that's a thing, right? Think about in your own life. Is there the family member that you just don't talk to anymore because they just won't live right? Is there the neighbor that you tell your kids don't hang out with and, and you kind of do the same? And I'm not saying that you should be getting involved with whatever sinful activities anyone else is getting involved in. I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't take safety precautions. I'm just talking about when it's a lot easier to try to push out of my life and mind the, the, the ones that, that cause problems, right? The ones that I think are going to be a drain on my life and our society. The ones that, well, are lost. They're lost because they need Jesus. More than that, they need you to show them Jesus by the love you show to them. And, and Jesus today tells us it's our job to show him to them. That's his hard word today. Love the lost. And if we look at our text, we see that he did. Look at how it starts. Verse 1, Jesus is hanging around with tax collectors and sinners. He's hanging around with those that others avoid, religious people. And we see that in the second verse, right? The Pharisees and teachers of the law, they're, they're muttering, they're grumbling. How dare Jesus hang out with people like that? Because, because that's what they had been taught. Let me read for you a, a statement from one of the rabbinical commentaries that was around in Jesus' day. This is what their rabbis were teaching. Let not a man associate with the wicked, not even to bring him to the law. That's what they were being taught. Here's another one. There is joy before God when those who provoke him perish before God. So those faithful Pharisees had their reasons to stay away from those that just always seem to be causing problems. Can you relate? Do you have your reasons? Think about it. When you see the teens loitering, obviously up to no good, what's your first thought? When, when, when you think about the, the drug addicts that, uh, that cost so many of your tax dollars with the, uh, the, the uh, police work that needs to be done with them and the, the, uh, uh, the programs to provide for them when they obviously won't provide for themselves, 
what's your first thought? Is it, I really want to help them. I want to get involved with that. When you think about the, the acquaintance who's always gossiping about you or the coworker who doesn't think like you, is your first thought, they need Jesus? And not in a condescending way, in a, in a real way. They need the love of Jesus and I want to be the one to get involved in their lives and show it to them. I'm guessing that's not always your first thought. I, I know it, it isn't always mine, sad to say. So we need to hear what Jesus is saying here. It's a hard truth when he says love the lost. Too hard a truth sometimes. So Jesus shows us how. Starts by what he's doing. Here he is hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners, the, the, the trouble. He, he's hanging out. He's with them. He's loving them. He's teaching them. And then when those Pharisees give him a hard time because they don't want to love the lost, well, he loves them too. And he wants them to see what, what his love is like. So he tells a story. He tells a couple of them actually. And you know Jesus' stories, they have that way of just getting past our barriers, all the obstacles we put up, all the reasons we have against whatever truth he's teaching. Jesus' stories just break right through, right? So he asks these people who didn't feel like they should have to love those who didn't deserve their love, he, he asks them, well, what would you do if you lost a sheep? Not a hard question, right? Well, of course, you go find it. You, you, you risk whatever it takes. You find it, you want it, you get it, right? And, and he says, how are you going to feel about that when you find the sheep? Well, you're going to be happy, right? Or, or how about to those that maybe aren't of enough means to have a whole flock of sheep? What happens if you poor person lose a coin representing a tenth of your life savings? What are you going to do? That's not a tough question, right? They're all following along with this story. Of course, we're going to find it. We sweep the house. We look everywhere. We light the lamp. We find the coin. And then Jesus said, well, and what, what's going to happen when you find the coin? How are you going to feel about that? Well, well, happy, right? I mean, th these, these are just straightforward, very simple things. And so then he leaves to them to make that conclusion. Okay, so if that's how you're going to act about a lost sheep or a lost coin... Well, you make the connection, right? This is the kicker. This is the point. That's how God feels about all those people that don't seem to be worth your time. Even more, that's how Jesus feels about you. When you show your lostness by not wanting to love those in your life that need it. Whether it's the one who hurts you by their unfaithfulness, like Hosea's wife, or the one who disgusts you with their sin, like the, the Corinthian man, whether your lostness is like the Pharisees because you don't want to love someone that you should, or your lostness is like the sheep who, who wandered away. Jesus loves you. You're the sheep. You're the coin to him. And I love how simple this vivid picture is. You know, of course, the good shepherd goes off to find the sheep. 
He misses it. He cares for it. He needs it. And when he finds it, of course, he picks it up and carries it on his shoulders. Jesus loves you that much. Like that shepherd, he left the comfort of his home, his heavenly home, to come to all the dangers of this wilderness. And more than the shepherd, he didn't just risk his life. He gave his life. He came to become one of us so that he could die for you, his wandering sheep. That's how much Jesus loved the lost. That's how much Jesus loved you. And then can you imagine how he feels when after doing all of that for us, we wander? Right? It's not like we want to wander. I mean, you're here. You don't want to be miserable sinners. But sometimes it happens, right? We, you know, think about that sheep. It's not that he said, oh, I hate you, shepherd. I want to get away. But he probably just got distracted with something else. He was paying attention to something else and not listening to the shepherd's voice. And before he knew it, he was lost. That's what happens with us. And so Jesus comes to find you. He can't stand it when we're lost. So he did and does everything it takes to get us back. I want to read for you how, how one commentator described this. I, I love this. He says, as far as Jesus is concerned, humanly speaking, the sinner is heavier when he lies on Jesus' heart before he is found than when he lies on his shoulders after being found. So, of course, the shepherd's willing to pick you up and carry you all the way back. Of course, the shepherd's going to celebrate. Here's the point in the parable where, where it gets a little crazy, right? You notice that in Jesus' parables, there's always a lot that's just normal, right? Normal story. This is how things always go. This is what regularly happens. But then there's a tweak. There's one little thing in there that just kind of blows your mind. And you say, why on earth did he do that, right? And so, so that's where we're, we're at in this parable, right? It makes sense that the shepherd goes and finds the sheep. It makes sense that the shepherd picks up the sheep and brings it back. It makes sense that he's happy. What gets a little crazy is that he has a party just to celebrate finding the lost sheep, right? I mean, he, he invites the whole community over. That's going to cost him more than the meat of one sheep to celebrate, right? Or, or the coin. It makes sense that she finds it. It makes sense that she's happy. But, but inviting everybody over to celebrate, well, you're going to have to spend more on that party than you had found in the coin, right? Jesus is, is teaching us something here. That's how God feels about us when we repent. When, when he has us back, we confess our sins and, and admit that we need his help, and, and he, he celebrates. The angels of heaven are celebrating. Did you notice that? Did you catch the similarity? Compare verses 7 and 10. The end of each of the parables, he says the same thing. I tell you, then in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Not like the rabbi said that there was joy when, when uh, someone perishes who had provoked God. No, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Do you see what's happening here? Like the neighbors of that shepherd in the first story, like the neighbors of that woman in the second story, we are being invited here to celebrate with our shepherd. Celebrating with the angels in heaven, celebrating with God himself over sinners who repent. 
and motivated by that joy that your Savior has over you, we then get to be a part of the seeking and searching and finding those lost sheep. And that means forgiving the one who hurt you like Hosea for his wife. It means putting behind you the past sin of that Corinthian and and not looking down on them anymore. It means going out of your way to help the neighbor who needs it, to befriend the one who's annoying you, to, to cherish, to love those who just seem to be causing problem after problem and, and, and their life is a mess because they made it a mess and, and well, we get to love them. Let's, let's do that hard thing that Jesus tells us to do today. In fact, let's celebrate that we get to love the lost. Because it's a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And let's be a church that loves the lost. We can do that as, as we reach out with our benevolence stuff, right? It's not restocking the pantry. It's getting a little bit low. And, and, and doing those things, certainly, right? We, we can do that in how we act and interact with one another. Even the ones that we disagree with. Loving. Forgiving celebrating each other. We can do that with, with our community as we invite them, you know, doing the hard work of, of the fuzz run, all the people that came out there yesterday to invite people to, to come to church or canvassing on Wednesday as we knock on doors and invite people to come to church so that they can hear about the love of Jesus so we can show them that love that takes work. Giving them to, to invite them to, like the fall festival. There, there's plenty of work that's going to go into that in a few weeks where, where we pray that tons of people from the community who don't normally come to church will be here for the fun day, but, but then also they get to hear about the love of Jesus. See in us the love of Jesus. Let's be that church that, that loves the lost. And then when they come, let's make sure they know how much we're celebrating. Right? It makes such a huge difference. I need you to, each of you to think about the, the first time you came. And I pray that there, were, there was a person or a bunch of people that, that made you feel welcome. To know that, yeah, we want you to be here so that we can grow, so that we can show that, that love of Jesus together. It's huge. I just had a conversation with someone today that a few weeks ago, we had invited them when we were canvassing, and, and they came and, and, and walked in, and, and, and they said, well, no one greeted us, so we're not coming back. They said, we said hi to someone in the parking lot. They, they didn't even respond, and the only people that said hi to us were the ones wearing robes. And I said, oh, please, give us another chance. I, I, I don't, you know, I can, what the excuse would be, but it makes a huge difference. And I praise God that more often than not, that's not the experience. But I thought it would be important to, to mention it so that, so that we can remember how important it is to love. Even, even if it means going outside of our comfort zone. You know, keeping the three-minute rule and the ten-minute rule, my own fault. I haven't talked about those for a while. Anyone remember what those are? The three-minute rule, that's, that's the three minutes after church where you, gotta, you, you don't talk to your friends. You find someone you don't know. And you talk to them so that you can build those relationships, so that you can let them know how valuable they are to you. 
Your friends will still be here three minutes later. You can talk to them after that. Ten-minute rule, that's the, that's the no church business for ten minutes before or after church so that we have that time to, to appreciate one another and, and to be this church family that God has made us. And you can always get the good goodies. There's a whole bunch of Gatorade back there. I made five gallons yesterday and we only gave out like two gallons. So your challenge after church is to fellowship until we've drank through three gallons of Gatorade. Um, but, but, you know, that, that's, we have the opportunity to demonstrate how valuable you are to one another, right? To love the lost. Sometimes it's hard. That's the, the hard truth that Jesus has for us. But think of how beautiful it is. We only love the lost because Jesus loved me when I was lost. And he wants us to celebrate that the lost are found. Think of how cool it is that, that we get to be a part of a church that Jesus uses to, to reach and to seek the lost. Each of us included. And so let's do that. Let's love the lost in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and